You're listening to Sports Connections with David Smale, the show that brings you a fun and intimate look into connections throughout sports. Now here's your host, David Smale. Tim Melia is a starting goalkeeper for Sporting Kansas City. Now in his seventh season with Sporting, Melia is a former pool goalkeeper, meaning that any team could call him up for brief stints. One of the clubs that called him up in 2014 was Sporting Kansas City, and he signed with the club for the 2015 season. He's be- he became the starter in May of that season and has held that post ever since. Melia is an agile keeper whose specialty is stopping penalty kicks. The worldwide average save rate in professional soccer is 17.5%. Melia has saved an astounding 40.7% in his professional career across all competitions. He has faced 27 penalty kicks in shootouts and saved 11 of them. Sporting KC, um, with Sporting KC, he saved nine of 20, which is 45%. His best effort, one that sporting fans will remember for sure, was in last year's MLS Cup playoffs when Sporting faced the San Jose Earthquakes Melia faced only three San Jose PKs because he stopped all three of them. And to make it even better, he's even gotten a song written about him, which we'll ask him about here in a second. So, Tim, welcome to Sports Connections. Thanks for having me on. All right. I, I asked you ahead of time just to, so you could be prepared for it. Who is the most famous sports alumnus of East Islip High School? Boomer Esiason. Boomer Esiason. Okay. The reason I know that. When I was at a game recently and I saw that you were from East Islip, New York, I almost canceled the interview because as, <laughs> a, like ni- New Yorker, so. as a 1977 graduate of Sable High School, we <laughs> hated East Islip. And I'm two years older than Boomer, but we used to we used to beat his football teams and there was nothing better. We were in the same conference, same league or whatever, but we would play. It seemed like we played each other every year. And there was nothing better than beating East Islip. So the fact that I found out that you were an East Islip alum, I just about couldn't go through with this. But I'm going to look past that uh, and talk about your soccer career. Um, You didn't take the normal path to MLS. You played in the lower division leagues and you were a pool pool keeper for eight years before signing on as a regular in 2015. Did you ever think about giving up this dream of being a, a keeper in MLS? Uh, of course, that's something that's always in the back of your head, especially when you're, you know, there's only one goalkeeper that plays on every team. And it's a difficult, it's a difficult position to be in when you're not the guy. Um, yeah. But I was kind of fortunate to be around very good goalkeepers and just try to absorb everything I can from them and develop as, as best as I could. So when I was given that opportunity, I would be prepared for it. Well, what kept you going? I mean, obviously, if you've thought about quitting, uh, I'm good friends with Bill Snyder, who is the longtime football coach at K-State. And he says, if you think about retiring, if you think about stepping down, it's time to, because it can't enter your mind. How did you keep going? I don't agree with that at all. I think that if you're not, I think if you're not honest about your personal situations, you're never going to understand what you need to fix and what you need to work on. And when you're a a third, I was a, I'm trying to, I was older. So I went from, Rochester, New York, um, went in as a third string, became the backup, became the starter in two years. And then I tried to make the jump to MLS and immediately I was kind of put back into my position as being a third string. Being a third string on a team is very difficult. Uh, you are a, you know, you're there for practice. You're there for shooting drills. You're, you're there to provide rest to the other guys so they can prepare for a game. Um, when I made the decision to leave Salt Lake, it was in an effort to push my career forward. 
it was it was a scenario where I felt like I could excel if I was in a different environment. So I looked to find a position where I could at least be a backup. And I was fortunate enough that one of the coaches from Salt Lake took me over to um, Chivas USA when he became a head coach. And that just kind of pushed me up the, the ladder another step. Um, and then from there, I was released. And that was where I fell into that pool goalkeeper situation that you referred to, where I was now 28, I believe. Um, I was you know, under contract, but not associated with the team. And that was where I kind of made the decision as, you know, this is, this has got to be the right situation, the next move, or maybe it's time to move on. So that motivated me. And that's why I don't, I don't agree with that comment that if you're starting to think about retirement, I think if you're not, you're not using it as a, as a reason to motivate yourself to get better and improve the things that you need work on, then you're probably not going to make it that far to begin with. And maybe the difference, Tim, is that for the, with coach Schneider's perspective is he had a position. He, he was established where, where, you know, where he was, you didn't have that position. So you were still, you were still pursuing it. So that certainly makes a difference. You know, those of us who are sporting Kansas city fans love watching you because you are so quick. You know, you don't think of goal. The the quick guys are the ones running up and down the field. You know, the goalkeeper isn't necessarily the quick guy, but you are so quick in goal. It's fun to fun to watch you. Why did it take so long for you to get noticed by, by an MLS team? Uh, I think, like I said, it's a combination of playing in front of very good goalkeeper or playing behind very good goalkeepers, not being ready, uh, I, I, being honest with the situation. If you put me in, uh, in a MLS environment yeah. five years before I played a game at sporting, I, I probably wouldn't have excelled. Um, and then just like all sports, it's, it, it's timing. Yeah. Um, you got to be in the right situation at the right time. Um, that, that's so important. I think now that especially at a club like ours, they are um, set up to properly prepare players from the academy system into uh, Sporting Kansas City 2 into the first team. And now there is a, there's a clear pathway and an identity and steps you should take the whole time. We didn't have that. Uh, we played on reserve leagues, which were not a highlight of MLS by any means and not, not because of the, the, the theory was excellent. The, the idea of it was exactly what it needed to be, but it, it just wasn't competitive matches. A lot of MLS teams wouldn't even play MLS players. They'd be like making phone calls to local clubs just to get enough guys on the field in those games. So there was no pathway to develop and be prepared for, you know, these are big pressure games they're big pressure moments there's a lot that ride on our games and if you're not prepared for that it it goes away very quickly yeah well speaking of pressure as i said in the introduction your specialty i mean you got a lot you do a lot of things well but your specialty is stopping penalty kicks where did that skill come from i'm not sure it was something i've always had success at even even in um, my time in usl i had success at it um, even in college, I was, I was pretty good at him. It was just something I was, had a kind of a knack for. Um, I think now as all the information that's out there, I think the, the percentages are going to, they're never going to shift fully in goalkeeper's favor, but there's so much information. There's so many statistics. There's so much technology now where I think you're going to start to see a trend in goalkeepers making more saves, but hopefully it's only in the games we're playing in. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, and certainly, you know, if, if you were at 
20% and the worldwide average was at 17%, you could say maybe, maybe you do more film study or maybe you, you study tendencies of, of different, uh, different guys trying to score or whatever. But you're like more than double the worldwide average. Is it God-given ability? Is it, is it preparation? Is it confidence? Is it combination? What do you think makes you so good at that? I think I'm, I think I'm prepared by our goalkeeper coach um, with a lot of information and I'm the type of person that I want as much information that's out there. I'm not someone where, you know, only tell me one or two things I want is anything little or small that you can find. I want to know it. Um, I think that we've had shooters make shots as well. And I think that goes, that kind of gets put on the wayside a little bit, especially in our last uh, penalty shootout in against San Jose, you know, our guys were burying really good penalties and that puts pressure on the shooters when they're coming up against me. So I think that that's overlooked. And then I think as it, like anything, when you start gaining momentum with things, it, it becomes a little bit more, is that player trying to push a little bit further in a corner than they normally would? Are they, you know, is their approach changing? Are they trying to beat their own statistics and all those things start to come into play. And I think it's just, just been fortunate in combination of all those things. So if I'm hearing what you're saying, it may, you may be in that other guy's head. Oh no, I've got to go against Tim Melia. He saves practically half of the PKs. I've got to be perfect. And there is no perfect in sports. You, you got, you no. try and get as close to perfect as possible. And if you try to be perfect, you're, you're more likely to fail. Do you think that's part of it? I think that plays into it. Penalties are so, are such an interesting thing. Cause I, there's, always so much more pressure on the shooter right the, the goalie is not supposed to save the ball the shooter is supposed to score and then in combination with everything we just spoke about i think it just adds an extra layer of of uh insecurity in in the shot which it plays into our favor yeah it, and i know i know it at 40.7 percent or whatever that number was that is that is phenomenal but i can tell you that the fans at children's mercy park if if you know, somebody picks up a penalty or we get into the penalty kicks in, in extra time, somebody, you know, it's like, oh, that's okay. Tim's back there. We're, we're good. We, we expect you, we, we think your percentage is actually 80%, not 40.7%. And you've got that confidence got to speak well to you too, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. I mean, that's another thing that I should have probably mentioned when people are taking penalties against me in our stadium, you know, our, our stadium is loud. <laughs> and when you're when you're trying to step up to take a shot and, you, you know, you got 20,000 people screaming to miss it, that's just added pressure. And uh, I think that's what makes us I speak to this quite often, just how special that this club is, is because of the environment. I mean, even coming back from our last game, uh, coming back from, you know, COVID, a, a pandemic where our country was kind of rippled a little bit. And then to immediately the second, the second the opportunity is there, our fans are back out there supporting us, doing their thing and making themselves known in huge, huge, huge presence against Houston. And even looking more forward to our next game here coming up against Austin. Yeah. Okay. Um, you and I ran into each other in the, um, in the elevator when you were still out with an injury. And I told you I had come up with a nickname for you. And I, it was not a good one. I called you Hotel Maid. You were not impressed. My son told me that was dad humor, but he came up with a better one, room service. 
And the idea is that when you show up, out come the clean sheets. Do you like, <laughs> do you like that one better? And do you think it'll catch that, on? Yeah. That, that one's a little bit better. <laughs> I don't even remember. <laughs> I do remember now that you bring it up. I do remember the conversation. I think when you're, when you're just not playing, you're just like, you're so scattered in your head. You're like worrying about a million things. I have more anxiety when I'm not playing in matches and like, because you just have no control over anything. And that was the worst feeling in the world. Worst feeling. So if I, if I put it on Twitter that, you know, that I've interviewed you today and that we're going to release this coming up soon. And I say, I, I've interviewed Tim room service, Melia and Princey's because when he showed, when he shows up, so did the clean sheets. You think that'll catch on? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll give it a try. <laughs> all right. All right. So um, now the other thing that, that I really has caught on, you talked about the, the crowd, how cool the crowd is at, uh, at children's mercy park. Um, I think you're the only the only um, goalkeeper in MLS that has a song written about him. Um, do you know what song I'm talking about? And can you sing it for us today? I will not sing it for you, but <laughs> I'm looking forward to be back out there and hearing, hearing the fans singing it. But it, that's just kind of what I was just speaking to a little bit. Like the way that, the way that the city, the club, the fans just kind of take in all of us as players and support us and, and kind of push us on. It, it's different. It's not like this at other places. Um, not outside of the country. I'm sure there's other MLS clubs are like it a little bit, but you know, when you have the opportunity to come to a place that has a culture, has an atmosphere, has you know fans that are so willing to provide support in good and bad. Because in 2019, I think it was the most support I've ever gotten, and we we were not having a good season, and that would means even more. Uh, from the player side to be given that support when things aren't going well. It's easy to support clubs when they're playing well. All right. For those people who aren't familiar with the song, I'm not going to sing it either, but it's to the. <laughs> I thought I sidestepped that well. Yeah, you did. You did. I could have pressed you, but um, it, it's to the, to the tune of, I think the name of the group was the culture club and they did a song called karma chameleon. And so it's Timmy, 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 Lee, uh, you saved a goal. You said, and so I was kind of singing, but. It's that. How does that get you pumped up when you hear? Because that happens after you save a PK, or if somebody's getting a, a straight-on shot and you come up with one of your spectacular saves, and that that reverberates through the stadium for a while. Does that get you pretty fired up and ready for the next one? Yeah, it's awesome. It just it gives you that jolt of adrenaline that that's so important in professional sports, and it just kind of it makes you appreciate you know the fact that you're out there playing. It just makes you want to win even more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, sporting this year has one of its most impressive collections, maybe ever, of forwards and strikers, certainly since I've been following them. Um, mm -hmm. As a keeper, does the fact that your offense can strike at any time change your approach at all? Um, it's a, a very good situation to be in. Uh, I think that we still haven't seen the full ability of our team yet because we're still getting guys back to 100% fitness. We still haven't had, you know, probably a full selection of our team yet. Um, but I think the thing that is different than this year is that there's, there's so much quality all over the field. And that, you know, when you put, when you put good players in good playing positions and quality on the ball, they just become better. The finishes become easier. The opportunities become, you know, more and more 
So I, I think it, it's an exciting time. It's very early on in the season. Um, but I think right now we're very happy with where we sit currently. But, but you as a keeper, Tim, if, if you know, I mean, I don't know the stats right now, but you've had like four games, I think, where you've fallen behind 1-0. And not just with you in, in goal, but yeah, yeah, with John yeah. before. And you've come back and won those. Does, do you, are you able to take more chances knowing that even if you give up a, a goal, that your offense is likely to come back and score one or two? Yeah, I think that more to our offense, that's just more the character of our team is that we're not going to like kind of roll over and, and we're not going to, we're not going to change our style. We're going to just play the way we want to play, whether we're winning or losing. So it's not about, you know, our, our tap being that good is, is our team is good enough to absorb that, initial loss if you'll say or that initial goal and then kind of regroup get back to the doing what we want to do and then almost creating more opportunities which we've done in all the games you know right going from one down to three one the san jose game and the amount of opportunities we had and then doing it again against houston you know it, it's it's speaking to what you're talking about how we do have such a we have such an excellent attacking group but it's more the entire team committed to our style of play and just giving it time in good and bad situations. Okay. You talk about style of play, talk about your style of play, describe yourself. If somebody who's not familiar with, with the sport, not that familiar, describe your style of play as a keeper. Um, I think, I think it's had to adapt over the years. I think, I think earlier on it was trying to be a more of a, a more of a shot stopper, and then it was more of a can you be good and can you be one good in one v ones, and I think now it's can I put myself in a situation that's going to help our team the most? And right now we want to play the ball, so I have to always be in a position where I'm supporting players with my feet. But then in the event that you know we break down or something happens, I'm close enough to our back line to cover space in behind. So I, I think at, at that at this particular time, it's more geared towards that. But, you know, that's always changing with personnel on the field and, um, you know, the score of the game, where we are in the season, the type of game it is, and just kind of trying to adapt. I mean, that's something I think that's so important as a goalkeeper is you, you don't want to be the focal point. Right. You want to be able to adapt to whatever, you know, provides the best support for the players that you're playing with. It's, it's interesting as, as I watch more and more soccer and, and my, my son actually has gotten me hooked on the sport. And then since I've started covering you guys probably four or five years ago, I, I've watched a lot more, not just your, your games, but a lot more games. It seems to me that, that when you've got the opportunity and a lot of goalies seem to just kick the ball down the field as far as possible, where you take more opportunity to feed it to the back line, whether you're rolling it to them, or kicking it to him or something like that. Is that perception accurate? And if so, why do you, why do you do that? Uh, it's hundred percent accurate. And it's not it, the way that we play. I think that just as a whole in, in the world of soccer, that goalkeepers have to be better with their feet. And you see that with, you know, even the guys in our team that are much younger, they're so much further along than I ever was at their age with their feet because it's, it's a part of the game. Now that's not a part. That was not a part of the game when I was younger. It was how far can you kick a ball? That is not even like a, a relevant thing anymore. So when you're seeing, you know, younger goalkeepers coming up or, or goalies playing at bigger leagues, they're, they're, it, they're very confident with their feet and it's something that they have to do. 
Um, for me though, with the, the quality that we have of ball players, I'm the worst ball player. I want the ball away from me and to the people that are, you know, paid <laughs> to do it. Yeah. So that's how I always look at it. So I'm always, I want the ball out of my hands and out of my feet as quick as possible. Cause I want to get it to a person that's capable of, you know, threading a pass, opening up, turning away from a, from an attacker and then getting us move, moving towards the other goal in a good tacking phase. Okay. Um, if you weren't a goalkeeper, what position would you play on the field? It's funny because I always feel like I could play in the field. I 100% couldn't, but I feel like I could. I'm just I'm gonna have to go like put me up in as number ten. I don't want to run a lot. I want to stay up top near the goal. I don't want to track back. I just want to get the ball underneath, thread some passes, and take some shots. You know, in uh, I had Jimmy Nielsen on a, a couple of months ago, and had Aurelian Collin not scored the the game winner and then, the, and then uh, Real Salt Lakes and I forget who was shooting for them. Had he not missed it, uh, Jimmy Nielsen was up next. Have you ever had to do, had to make a, a PK or attempt a PK? And could you make it I if you did? I haven't, but I want to so bad. I missed my <laughs> opportunity in Portland in 15. Um, I got hurt. I came out of the game and then it went to 11 penalties and John Kempen got to take a shot and I was jealous. <laughs> um, I want to shoot one so bad. Yeah. But it just hasn't happened for me yet. But you know you'd get it, right? You know you'd be I, successful. I hope it's either going, it's either going in the net or out of the stands. So one of the <laughs> two. <laughs> All right. If you weren't a soccer player, what would you be doing professionally? I'd probably be working in finance somewhere. Um, probably focusing more on like real estate finance or something like that. Okay. And I've got some really difficult questions for you, some real personal questions, but this may, this may uh, impact how long people are going to be singing about you here in Kansas City. Yeah. Chiefs or Jets or Giants? Giants. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Maybe we ought to cut this part out. All right. It's going to get tougher. Um, Royals or Yankees or Mets? Royals. Never. No. <laughs> Didn't watch a ton of baseball. Okay. So you're a Royals fan. Yeah, like watching the Royals play. Um, more Roy, uh, more hockey football in New York for me, at least. It's interesting. I, I, I lived in New York for a while. I grew up here in Kansas City, but lived in New York. And that's, you know, obviously went to Sable High School. I'm an Islanders fan. I watched my first Islanders game in the playoffs uh, over the weekend. And uh, I was amazed the size of the goal. I've, you know, I've seen it for 50 years, but it just looks so small. My wife came down and she said, you're watching hockey. And I said, yeah, it's the Islanders. And I finally don't have something I have to do. And she goes, man, that goal is small. I bet Tim Melia would like it if the goal was that small. <laughs> Love it. I got to wear those big pads too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Final difficult question. Uh, New York pizza or Kansas city barbecue? New York pizza through. Oh, through. no. <laughs> Oh, Tim, you said the wrong thing, man. <laughs> we got to get a New York pizza in Kansas City. Hey, I'll tell you what. If we get one of those, you find out where it is, we will connect and you and I will go together. Because I do like New York pizza, but it's not as good as Kansas City barbecue. I, I do love barbecue. Um, it's just two different worlds for me. But like, I couldn't eat barbecue every day. I think I could eat pizza every day. Okay. All right. Fair enough. All right. Uh, I like to let my, my guests wrap up with these two, um, these two questions. Talk about your family. 
growing up, you know, or I don't know if you're married, have kids, anything like that, but just talk about your family. Uh, I have a lovely wife. I have two kids. I have an almost four-year-old girl and a two-year-old boy and a, another one on the way here in November-ish. That's um, been awesome having kids as, as challenging and tiresome as they are. Um, it, it has added this layer of you know, love that you're not sure or you didn't know you ever had. Um, and, it, and it drives you so much, especially in sports or I think in anything you're doing in life, sports is just what I'm doing at this moment. So, I mean, that has been incredible. You know, being able to have your, have your kids out on a field. I had my, I had both my kids at the first time ever at the Houston game. And that was just an awesome feeling to have them out there and um, let them run around to see how excited they are and to, to kind of make those memories um this young is, is so cool um from my i have a older brother an older sister i'm the youngest of three um and then i have two incredibly supportive parents that the only reason i'm sitting where i am right now doing this interview is from all the the time money and energy they spend driving me all over new york all over the east coast basically and even further at times to you know provide me with the opportunity to be on teams and go to college and then continue along my path and support me the whole time. All right. And then the last question we, we give to everybody is what is your legacy? And you can, you can interpret the question however you want, answer it however you want. What do I want my legacy to be? Okay. Is that, that if you want to answer it that way, that's fine. Yeah. Um, I said this really early on, when I came here and I hope it, I hope it resonates and I hope it's something that if fans remember something about me, this is what they remember is that I am anytime I'm on the field, I'm doing every single thing I can to the best of my ability to be the best, be the best goalkeeper for the team and to provide the club with, you know, everything that they give me and that comes in results and trophies. All right. Well, Tim, I appreciate your time very much. And uh, I'm looking forward to being out there uh, again for the next game. And uh, hopefully soon they'll let us come into the, the media session live and we don't have to do it. Don't have to do it in person, but thanks for taking the time to join us. Of course. I'm looking forward to seeing you again shortly. Thanks for listening to Sports Connections with David Smale. Make sure to subscribe, follow, and rate the show from your favorite podcast platform. You can learn more about David Smale and his work by visiting davidsmalebooks.com. Don't forget to join us weekly for new episodes. Until next time.